African Dialogue, looking at different events in depth, discussing a variety of issues. What we see here is a clear violation of one, the right to privacy of Tiwonge and uh, Stephen. The position of Greenpeace is that it's been a disappointing meeting. Well, let's look at our topic for today. The United Nations High Commissioner for Refugees, Filippo Grandi, says Kenya will not shut down Dadaab and Kakuma refugee camps, but rather seek solutions. Grandi is currently visiting the Democratic Republic of Congo, Rwanda and Burundi to ascertain the refugee situation in the Central African region. Last month, Kenya's High Court suspended the government's move to shut down two camps that hold hundreds of thousands of refugees from war-torn neighboring countries. This after the Interior Ministry announced the government's intention to shut the Dadaab and Kakuma camps, giving the United Nations Refugee Agency, also known as the UNHCR, two weeks to present a plan to do so. The ministry called this an ultimatum and said there was no room for further negotiations. The United Nations Refugee Agency has expressed concern about the impact this decision would have on the protection of refugees in Kenya, including in the context of the ongoing COVID-19 pandemic. Well, to assist us on this, we're joined by Dr. Cristiano Dorsi, who's a senior research fellow and lecturer affiliated with the South African Research Chair in the International Law within the University of Johannesburg. We also have Professor Douglas Yates, who is joining us from the American graduate to school Paris and that's an expert in um, African studies so we thank you both uh, for joining us uh, on the line we know Dr. Dorsey is joining us uh, telephonically while uh, Professor Yates is with us via Skype let me start with you Professor Yates what do you make of the current situation here it seems like one that is a long-going issue around these two concentration camps in Kenya we know that the Kenyan government has cited security concerns in regard of the reasons why it wants to shut down these concentration camps. Yeah, it's a perfect storm. Uh, we have long-term structural issues. Uh, it, you know, maybe hundreds of thousands of refugees who fled uh, Somalia because of a drought, principally. These were people fleeing uh, famine and fleeing South Sudan, uh, fleeing civil war mm. and uh, inter-ethnic conflict. And these people now have been in these camps so long that some of their children have grown up and are adults and have never known anything but these refugee camps. Clearly staying in those camps is not a long-term solution for the refugees. But um, the uh, menace to uh, send them back in a few weeks isn't really a feasible uh, policy either. So we have to wonder what's the motivation that uh, there's two uh, principal explanations. One is economic. Mm. Uh, With COVID, the Kenyan economy, like a lot of African economies, has not been doing well. And uh, so when there's economic problems, the foreigners, uh, the, the immigrants, the refugees and asylum seekers um, are become targets, xenophobic uh, targets. Uh, you know, the, our problems are due to outsiders. And mm. we've certainly seen that in the global north. 
And the other reason, and this is less um, less uh, obvious, is that next year uh, there are going to be elections in Kenya, general elections. Hmm. And, uh, of course, prepping up for the violence and the outrage and the declarations of fraud and all of the other problems, elections are crisis years. Hmm. And uh, and therefore, I, I think also um, that refugees are, are unimportant in the electoral calculation. They're easy to sacrifice. And uh, as Donald Trump uh, did uh, in to speak to his base, it's possible that the... Uh, that the main political parties in Kenya are speaking to their political bases through this anti-immigrant um, uh, sort of harsh nationalism. Absolutely. Let's bring in Dr. Cristiano Dorsey. Cristiano, thank you for giving us your time. Professor Yates uh, outlining a, a Cash-22 situation, citing the fact that uh, um, some uh, uh, you know, individuals have been born and raised in these concentrations camps. They've been there uh, for multiple years, and it seems like there's no real solution on what to do with them. However, he also cites the fact that there are also um, social and political uh, constraints uh, within uh, the Kenyan uh, setup. What are your thoughts? Uh, first of all, thank you so much, Benjamin, to have invited me. Uh, well, I mean, I... I partially agree with uh, Professor Yates um, in the sense that um, it's true that this is a long-standing situation. Um, however, um, it's true also the fact that the pandemic probably uh, worsened the entire situation of Africa, of Kenya economics, and uh, probably uh, this Somali refugees in Kakuma and Adab, they became uh, a burden. However, as also Professor Yates mentioned, it's not the first time that uh, the Kenyan government is trying to shut down the, the two camps. Um, uh, uh, principally, I would say the DAP, that is the one uh, bordering Somalia. Uh, so the, the, I think the 80% of refugees in Azan's big speakers mm-hmm. there, they are Somali. Uh, why Kakuma will deserve a different probably issue. Uh, so, uh, of course, there are a number, a number of, uh, of, of, of issues at stake. Um, uh, um, international observer, they start thinking and they start even saying that probably this decision now in 2021 came up because as a sort of a retaliation that the Kenyan government would like to do uh, versus some Somalia because of some uh, uh, maritime uh, conflict that they have on the delimitation of maritime borders. There is something that the Kenyan government um, I mean, decline and say, no, we're not doing that. My personal opinion that I also expressed in the past several times is that I don't see any bad will uh, in the Kenyan uh, government to host refugees because it's also a country that historically uh, has done it for long, but rather is, is a sort of crying. I mean, it, it's mm-hmm. let understand the international community that they cannot manage this kind of plight alone anymore. Uh, Many times it comes up the problem of the underfunding of projects within these camps, for example. Afterwards, of course, there are also issues... Today I'm trading uh, EURUSD. I know I said I'll be trading gold for a while. Sorry? 
Right. Oh, I think I we're having interruptions in our system there. Uh, I'm not quite sure uh, what I'm hearing. Let's take a quick break um, just so we can uh, sort this out. Uh, yeah, but, uh, okay. um, yeah. you know, those are interesting insights coming both from Dr. Uh, Cristiano Dorsey and, and Professor uh, Douglas Yates there. And as you could hear that, it seems like uh, they also are international uh, dynamics as uh, uh, Dr. Cristiano Dorsey highlights there as uh, he was citing the international dynamic of uh, constraint of funding in the area of uh, a humanitarian uh, assistance. Let's take a quick break. We'll be back. Welcome to Change Your Game on Channel Africa, the African perspective. We are coming to you from Johannesburg, right here in South Africa. I'm Asanda Beda, your host. Change Your Game, the program that promotes open discussion and social dialogue as we highlight real issues in the African entrepreneurship ecosystem. Trevor Mumba now joins us in studio to talk about his entrepreneurial and personal journey. Welcome to Change Your Game, Trevor. Thank you so much. Um, it's an honor to be here. Palesa Mukubong, who's a designer. Welcome, Palesa, to Change Your Game. Thank you. Your role at the fourth annual Fashion Without Borders event? I just know that I need to arrive and, and, <laughs> okay. and do my part and do it really, really well. Yeah. 18 minutes past 11 o'clock Central African time. We're looking at uh, this big issue in Kenya where there's a big threat that two of uh, some of the biggest concentrations historically on the continent, the Dadaab and Kakuma refugee camps, uh, are being could be closed. But we know that uh, that particular move that was made by the country's interior ministry was uh, blocked by uh, the courts of Kenya. Helping us on this particular topic, Professor Douglas Yates joins us from uh, the American Graduate School Paris and Dr. Cristiano Dorsey is joining us from the South African and Research Chain International Law Associated with the University of Johannesburg. Before we had that brief interruption, um, Cristiano, you were talking about this international uh, dimension in terms of uh, the lack of resource funding to these um, uh, concentration camps. Uh, Yes, yes, Benjamin. Uh, Okay, we we have to point out that... um, Refugees are not a problem for one country, but refugees are a, a world problem. So one of the principles in, uh, um, in hosting refugees is what is called uh, the burden sharing, because it's out of doubt that refugees represent a burden for the host country. So what is generally um, advocating in all around the world is to try when he, a, a given country, he's hosting too many refugees, and definitely Kenya is hosting too many refugees. I mean, if we consider the economy of Kenya, for instance, uh, is to try to, 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 to share this burden. And it's what uh, Kenya is trying to do for, for, for long. Also, the first attempt that was made in 2015 of shutting down the DAB uh, that was, of course, uh, it didn't happen because uh, there was a, uh, there was a case, and uh, um, of course this was amounting to uh, refoulement, to rejection. Mm. That is a principle of refugee law, well established. So you cannot go against that. But but all this threat, in, in my in my opinion, 
is just to let understand uh, the, 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 the other actors, there can be other countries, there can be the African Union, can be international organizations, to let understand that this is a, 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 a plight that is too huge now for, I mean, for, for several years now, in fact, for, for Kenya. And, uh, and in, in, in all that, of course, we also need to mention what happened with the Westgate attack, mm-hmm. with the Garissa attack, that, of course, they also threatened the security of, 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 of refugee camps and of the country, in fact. Not by chance some terrorists were found afterwards in those refugee camps. But, but the, the, what Kenya, in my opinion, is asking for is to better manage the, those camps, a management that Kenya cannot do alone with, in these present circumstances. Mm. And, not, and not by chance, and I'm sorry if, if, I, if I was a bit long, and not by chance, uh, what the UNHCR, what uh, Mr. Filippo Grandi, that, by the way, is also my country fellow, said, was just praising Kenya for this long history and asked Kenya, you know, not to, re- not to uh, reject this Somali refugees. But, you know, when, when, I mean, we, we also need concrete actions mm-hmm. uh, because, because we are now to a point that really, I mean, there are too many uh, refugees for what they are the capacity of the Kenyan, uh, of Kenya uh, on, on the Kenyan uh, soil, I mean. <laughs> so they really <laughs> need help in order to, 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 to have a better management of the situation. That's <laughs> my take. <laughs> Professor Yates, are there any other alternatives? It seems like uh, Dr. Cristiano Dorsey is uh, um, citing the fact that there seems to be an overburdensome um, situation for the Kenyan government to, to actually deal with the number of refugees in the country. As I cited, the numbers are over uh, 400,000 earlier on. That is a lot of uh, refugees for one country uh, to manage. Yeah, I think that um, one of the problems for Kenya is that there doesn't appear to be any solution on the table. There's kind of this permanent status quo of enormous refugee camps with no clear deadline, one year, 10 years, 20 years. Uh, and so I think what has what Kenya uh, is calling for is for someone to offer some kind of solution. And I believe there's three uh, possible solutions that will come from outside. Uh, one would be to get European aid. Uh, And Europe uh, will be very motivated to provide aid to Kenya for several reasons. Once Kenya is a frequentable uh, aid recipient because it has a a functioning economic and political system. So Europe can give aid to Kenya and it won't just go into a kleptocratic military regime. And why would Europe give that aid? Because if Kenya was to release a half million uh, Somalian refugees they would immediately flow north and contribute to this massive inflow of Africans crossing the Mediterranean and coming into Europe. So, um, I mean, it sounds terrible, like uh, mm-hmm. like um, demanding money, uh, like Nero's fire firemen mm-hmm. demanding mm-hmm. money so as not to set fire. But this worked for Turkey. Turkey mm-hmm. was able to get European aid for keeping Syrian uh, refugees in camps. Mm-hmm. Second kind of uh, solution would be, of course, from the UNHCR, 
because these refugees are, although they're located physically and territorially in Kenya, they're actually wards of the United Nations High Commission for Refugees. And um, the UNHCR uh, really isn't uh, relocating these refugees. It seems like an ideal location right near the border of both Somalia and uh, South Sudan. But uh, the way this works is if those countries, Somalia and South Sudan, refuse to accept the repatriated refugees, then the UNHCR has to relocate them to other refugee camps. And uh, the, the UN hasn't indicated any plan to do that in mm. any large scale. And so the second uh, type of solution would be saying, well, we can alleviate some of the pressure of surplus populations by setting in place um, a, a process that we can, you know, incrementally a trickle, but later more, where we start um, relocating these refugees to other camps. And, um, and then, of course, the third would be to work on the political solution in uh, Somalia and in South Sudan. And I believe within 10 years, uh, those are on the horizon because of vast uh, oil and gas and mineral uh, resources uh, that there is uh, that China and India and the Indian Ocean wants to get access to, there is on the horizon going to be mineral rents and outside actors who will have an interest in uh, solving this problem. And that could result, as we've seen already in the Horn of Africa with Abiy Ahmed, in uh, political compacts, perhaps between the mm. Dinka and the Nura in South Sudan, and perhaps between the various Somali clans who uh, govern the different parts of Somalia. Staying with you, Professor Yates, you know, why don't we have this option of a more integrated um, way of looking at um, um, the, the population dynamics when it comes to integrating them into society like a, like South Africa, for instance, who don't have concentration camps where refugees are integrated in, in, in normal uh, society. Do you think that'd be too much of a burden for, for Kenya? Well, it's funny. You mentioned South Africa. And of course, the first thing I think of are Zimbabwean refugees. Mm and migrants in South Africa, and where South Africa has tried to find different kinds of solutions for a commensurable problem, a security crisis, a food crisis, and big influxes. Um, I think the fact that the SADC is um, organized around uh, a hegemon, a regional hegemon, South Africa, makes it uh, a more plausible regional community to deal with regional issues. And I'm afraid the East African community uh, hasn't uh, really a hegemon, someone who's you know can stand as a pillar. Potential hegemons would be if 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 in the Horn of Africa, Ethiopia were to become what it promises. Uh, Ethiopia could be standing in and offering East African solutions to East African problems. But for the moment, it's not. It's Facebook. Abiy Ahmed is running around putting out fires uh, in his own country and on mm. his borders. And the other would be Kenya. And uh, so Kenya stands as both the promise and uh, and the threat uh, towards uh, treating these regional problems as a, with regional solutions. Um, Cristiano, coming to you, let's deal yeah. with the international law dynamics, because definitely 
we've seen the um, international contradictions because despite the fact that the Interior Minister Fred Matiangi announced Kenya had given the UN Refugee Agency 14 days to present a plan to close the Dadaab and Kakuma camps, we know there was a court order that was blocking that particular move. But there's definitely a signal and pressure from Uhuru Kenyatta's government uh, to actually press on in this particular direction. Does the government have autonomous power to close these concentration camps or refugee camps despite international statutes and, and laws? And what would the ramifications be in terms of the, the legal consequences? Uh, yes, thank you for the question, Benjamin. Um, first of all, I would like to say that um, Kenya has also a very progressive uh, refugee law that dates back to 2006 that, of course, it prevents uh, a denied um, situation like the, the, the rejection of refugees. And it's one of the very few uh, refugee laws in, in Africa, even having some articles that concern the life in camps. Mm. That camps are quite, uh, I mean, are quite, are quite spread in Africa, but very few refugee laws in Africa, they speak about camps too. So, um, and this is, in my opinion, show once again the, 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 the will of, of the Kenyan government, because this, this law is still in place, uh, that is not, his attitude is not a bad faith attitude, in fact. Afterwards, we can talk and we can say that, unfortunately, um, one of the main weaknesses of refugee law and of migration law as well uh, is that it's lacking a legal mechanism of enforcement mm. of, uh, of the different articles of the different convention. Um, that is a very, a very big weakness. So if you ask me if Kenya can uh, close uh, the, the camps, I can just tell you that, uh, I mean, according to, the, according to the, the legal system in Kenya, they could not. In fact, there are orders coming mm. from judges, mm. I mean, so legal mm. personalities. Mm. Uh, but, you know, as also Professor Yates mentioned, often these issues are, are political situations. So you can also find at some point a judge who second the, 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 the will of Kenyan government to, to shut them down. Uh, the, the, only, I mean, the only thing that we can uh, expect and we can hope is this work of diplomacy of negotiations between now the Kenyan government, UNHCR, possibly the authorities of the East African community, for instance, as well, that they can try to find uh, to find a, a, a solution because you know refugees are are, are, are not very much interested by laws but are they but they are very much interested about their future and uh, and at the moment of course there is not really a solution inside because yeah of course we can talk about the three the three typical solutions mm-hmm. and uh, refugee situation because refugee situation per se should be a temporary situation in the sense that one individual shouldn't be a refugee for life. The problem is that how temporary should be the refugee situation, no one can tell you because there are no laws Mm. saying that refugee situation can last for 5, 10, 20, 50 years. So 
that's why it ends up that there are also in these camps uh, people who were born, bred, raised, and also some of them died in a refugee camp. Uh, so, but that's uh, but legally speaking, of course, if we think if we talk about the legal. I mean, the, the legal norms in Kenya, mm. uh, I mean, they shouldn't, they couldn't do that. They couldn't do that. But, of course, you know, uh, I mean, as uh, I mean, they, they, as there is, uh, they also mean to, to make a recourse uh, to this shutting. But, you know, often the, the, the problem is that uh, refugees are not really all the time also aware about their rights within a country and internationally. So... You know, they should be followed all the time by experts. And, and something, something that I would like to point out, sorry, mm. after, is also that uh, not many people are, are aware of the fact that when you return this Somali, uh, because I'm speaking mostly about the DAB, that is the most urgent situation, mm. Somalia. In Somalia, there are, uh, there are settlements for internally displaced persons. So many of these refugees, that they, they are already displaced, but outside the country, outside Somalia, they will probably end up to be displaced also within Somalia, simply because they don't have a house to go back, simply because uh, the, 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 the region where they come from is still not safe. So basically, we end up the risk that these people, they will be, uh, they, if they were before displaced abroad, because Kenya is not their own country, mm. they will also end up to be displaced in their own country, means in Somalia. Mm. And that's something that also needs to, to be observed and, 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 and analyzed before deciding several, you know, adopting several decisions. Mm. Let's take a quick break. We'll be back. Uh, we joined on our program today, unpacking uh, the, the very fragile situation, also complex, as you can hear from our guests, uh, in terms of uh, uh, the Dab and Kakuma refugee camps in uh, Kenya. Uh, they've been there for many, many years, as uh, one of our guests was highlighting that there have been people who've been born and all they know is living in the context of the concentration camps who've lived in uh, one of these uh, two uh, concentration camps. But I want to shift things just slightly a little back and just utilize um, the expertise of our guests in terms of uh, looking at it from a global landscape. Uh, I know that uh, Dr. Cristiano Dorsey has uh, written on uh, the Global Compact on Refugees and uh, um, the Refugee Response uh, Framework. Uh, Maybe we can look at how COVID-19 has made things more complex in uh, uh, the refugee and uh, humanitarian space. Uh, We'll look at that just briefly uh, as we wrap up our uh, show after this break. In each and every one of us, there is a pebbles and graves. We were all meant to shine. It is up to an individual to To realize realize that that pebbles. Don't ever let somebody tell you. You can't do something. Join me, Amanda Machaga, on Life by Design, where I will be talking to people who share their journey on how they discovered their purpose with the hope to inspire you to live your life by design. Tune in to Life by Design for your dose of Monday motivation every Monday at 8 a.m. Central African time and at 2 a.m. the following day. Life by Design, be the architect of your life. Only on Channel Africa, the African perspective. Follow Channel Africa on these social media platforms on Facebook, Channel Africa One, on Twitter, at Channel Africa One, 
and YouTube on Channel Africa Radio. Our website, www.channelafrica.co.za. Channel Africa, from an African perspective. Channel Africa, indeed, you're listening to us on DSTV Channel 802 on the audio bouquet. And international, you can listen to us on www.channelafrica.co.za. That's where you can find our podcasts and updates on what's happening on the continent with South Africa's external service into sub-Saharan Africa. We're wrapping our conversation today, been looking at the complex uh, uh, situation in Dadaab and Konkuma, refugee camps. If you're just joining us now, we've been having a very uh, informative discussion with Professor Douglas Yates joining us from the American Graduate School Paris and uh, Dr. Cristiano Dorsey joining us from the University of Johannesburg. I've been trying to get him on our program, Dr. Dorsey, for a while now. It's great to finally have him on our program. He's affiliated with the South African Research Chair in International Law within the University of Johannesburg. Um, let me start this section as we wrap up, Professor Yates, uh, with you in terms of the identity of the refugee. Has it changed in the context of COVID-19? Has it been exacerbated by this um, uh, pandemic? And internationally, how does the refugee crisis look? And also, maybe you can give us some uh, of your views in terms of uh, uh, government responses to those changes. Right. The um, the refugee finds himself or herself uh, like a stateless person um, living in a camp uh, as a ward of uh, good intention, but nevertheless, bureaucratic uh, institutions limited in your liberty, hmm. limited opportunities, no real future in sight. One of the constant complaints of refugees is they can't project themselves into into the future. Um now, COVID, uh, the tendency everywhere in the world uh, is that COVID brings out the worst in uh, what's already a bad situation. And what's maybe surprising in all of this, but also shows the neglect of these camps, is that there has not been an enormous outbreak of COVID in these refugee camps, teeming with hundreds of thousands of people with limited facilities, Mm. um, it would have been an ideal place for a pandemic to break out in a black death uh, style of the dark ages. And instead, what we see is a fairly uh, regulated environment. Uh, And so the long-term process of being dissociated from your national identity, from your, your traditional territory, and being highly regulated as a ward is you become dependent. And the long-term process of dependency is a real danger. Hmm. If you have kids who live their whole life in a refugee camp, once they are returned to the absolutely harsh conditions of environmental conditions of Somalia, or South Sudan, how are they going to reconstitute all of that learning and knowledge and cultural capital that made those communities which are now gone? Um, COVID also presents a technical problem of repatriation. How do you uh, move populations in the middle of a pandemic? We've seen flights closed down even for tourists. 
in Africa, as every country is afraid of new strains of COVID appearing and spreading. How are we going to move refugees uh, who are even less welcome hmm. in this uh, complex transportation climate? Hmm. Dr. Dossi, what are your thoughts there on the international uh, dynamics and, and, and the responses to some of the, the trends that have been unpacked there by Professor Yates? Well, uh, of course, COVID uh, has, has worsened the situation a bit everywhere in the world. Um, the, uh, the, the refugee camps in themselves, in fact, they can be considered a bit of an exception sometimes, mm. simply because, uh, you know, the freedom of movement is limited. Mm. So you, you, you are not allowed to move out, uh, apart from several exceptions. You are not really, uh, so you, you are not allowed to have contact with people outside. The only people, people that are coming into camps, they are generally workers from international organizations, but of course they are very controlled. So paradoxically, if we just speak about the environment inside the, 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 the camp, I mean, it, it should be paradoxically less affected by pandemic, but of course, of course, the part which is the other side of the uh, of, of the situation, in fact, is that if there is uh, some person infected, one of two person infected, possibly the pandemic will spread very quickly because, of course, the hygienical conditions they are very bad uh, because there is a, I mean the, uh, because social distancing is basically impossible. So that's, 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 that's the, the situation, right? So it's difficult for, for, for the pandemic to enter, maybe in a refugee camp, but once it is inside, it will be very difficult uh, not, uh, I mean, to retain it, I mean, to isolate it, the, 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 the infected people, because there is, you know, the refugee camp, they are also often self-reliant. So often there are markets inside the camp, you know, people, they also need to work. They also need to sustain themselves in some way. And as I said, not many, many uh, refugees, they have the, the, the permission to go out to work outside the camps. Also because these camps, both Kakuma and, uh, and, and, and the Dab, they are not very close to, to very populated areas. So what, what, what they are the exchange with external population can be sort of trade, for instance, trading some goods, but, I mean, it's difficult for a refugee to get uh, a, a proper job outside the camp if you are far from Mombasa, if you are far from Nairobi, if you are far from the, from the main urban, urban centers, of course. Well, we have to wrap it up and, and, and leave it there. Um, just in a minute, um, uh, Cristiano, what are your final sentiments? Just to wrap up uh, this uh, uh, conversation, just in 30 seconds, give us your insights. Sure. Just your, your final sentiment, Cristiano. Uh, yeah, Benjamin. Well, personally, I don't think that uh, the, the camps would be shut. Mm. I think that they will continue this negotiation. Mm. Possibly some more money will be found in these two, three weeks mm. in order to, uh, to fund better the, 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 the living condition inside the camps. Mm. Because something also that uh, I would like to point out is that 
you know, um, when we talk about resettlement, uh, resettlement is very difficult for, 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 for what is the economic condition worldwide, also for political conditions. Mm. And, and in fact, um, many, many, the, the rate of uh, suicide in the camps, in these two camps particularly, increased mm. when, uh, for example, uh, President Trump uh, went to the power in the U.S. because many of, of, of these uh, refugees were supposed to be resettled in the U.S., but mm. of course we all know, we all know the, the policy of, of the Trump government towards refugees and, and migrants in general. So they, they really didn't see any, any, any solution for themselves. And, 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 and it, one of the collateral effects that is not very known is when, when President Trump went to power, there was also the uh, rise in mm. the rate of suicide of, mm. of these refugees. Well, we, we, uh, yeah. we're running out of time, Dr. Dorsey. Okay, sure. um, let, let me just give uh, Professor Yates a final word. In 30 seconds, what are your thoughts? Do you agree that uh, uh, these... Um, to concentration camps, there's an unlikelihood that they could be closed. Um, Professor Yates? Yeah, I, I don't believe that they'll be closed anytime soon, that technically it's not feasible to close up shop. But it's clear that refugee camps are not a long-term solution. Okay, okay. It is a complex situation indeed, but thank you to our guests and helping us to understand what, what's happening, the trends on the ground. That was the voice of Professor Douglas Yates uh, from the American Graduate School, Paris. And we had uh, um, Dr. Cristiano Dorsey, who is a senior research fellow and lecturer affiliated with the South African Research Chair in International Law, uh, which is part of the University of Johannesburg. Gents, definitely we can't touch all these various dimensions that we could have went into, especially when it comes to, to international law. There's so many things we could have touched on, but we really thank you for helping us zoom into what's happening in Kenya. We really appreciate your time. Thank you so much, Benjamin. Thank you. African Dialogue, looking at different events in depth, discussing a variety of issues. What we see here is a clear violation of one, the right to privacy of Tiwonge and uh, Stephen. The position of Greenpeace is that it's been a disappointing meeting.